Hello and welcome to OvertimeHockeyTalk.com. My name is Justin Baker and not here today, Mark Paul. Out of town, so I'm going solo. Uh, never done this before, so you'll have to forgive me. Um, let me just apologize in advance to all of our listeners. Um, usually Mark is here or Mark is going solo, which has only happened just, I believe, a couple times. So uh, normally there's two of us today, you get one of us, but hey, at least you got the better looking one. With that said, um, something, you know, occurred yesterday in Detroit sports. And for those who don't know or haven't figured it out by now, I am a gigantic Detroit Red Wings fan. They have been my team since birth. Uh, growing up here in Detroit, of course, you know, the success they had in the 90s made it so easy to be a Red Wings fan. So, uh, for those who don't know, yesterday, Friday, June, or Friday, September 14th, um, news officially came out that Henrik Zetterberg was going to be hanging them up. And I guess hanging them up wouldn't be the right term because he's not going to file retirement papers with the NHL because the Wings would get screwed with the cap recapture penalty that occurred with uh, his gigantic contract being signed. But um, he is basically going to go on long-term injury reserve. Now, for those who don't know, um, basically the Red Wings are going to be able to take his six ish million dollar cap hit that he has and be able to basically put it aside and spend it elsewhere. You know, I think before training camp started here this week, um, you know, there were rumors, you know, news articles coming out that, you know, he had been having back problems and that there was still the possibility he wasn't going to be able to start the season, which I, I kind of figured, you know, I think, um, you know, I can't remember how long ago it was this summer, but basically news came out that his back was causing him problems again, which has been ongoing for the last few years for him. And, uh, you know, news came out that he had basically spent since the second half of the season not practicing with the team and would just play the games because his back was that bad. Um, to me, I'm not shocked at all when I heard the news he was going to be basically done. Uh, it's still a blow. It's still a bit of a gut punch. You know, you never want to see your captain, your leader, um, the guy who has basically taken Detroit here for the last 15 years with Pavel Dadzuk and Nick Lindstrom, uh, that core, and taken Detroit to, you know, a couple Stanley Cups, won one under their tenure as a trio. Um, of course, you know, Lindstrom and Dadzuk won an 2 as well. But, um, you know, it's it breaks my heart to see, you know, a guy like this have to end his career like that. You know, same with, with Marion Hosef, for, you know, example. Um you know, ideally, you would love to see these guys obviously go out like Ray Bork, win a Stanley Cup, when he did with the Avalanche in 2001. That's the dream ending. Um, but rarely does that ever happen. In fact, I can't remember the last time it did happen outside of Ray Bork. But uh, So if you do know, please tweet. Let me know. I would be very curious to hear because I'm just too lazy at this point to look it up. But, um, you know, like, for instance, the Sedins last year. I, I think the way they went out, granted... You know, they, they didn't get to go to the playoffs. They didn't have regular season success. They were, you know, up and down the lineup from the first line when Besser and Bohorvac got injured down to the third line uh, in terms of their ice time and things like that. But, you know, the way they ended, uh, you know, they got to go out in their terms before the game left them, which is what everybody wants to do or, in my opinion, should do. Um, you know, again, which is why Nick Lindstrom hung him up when he did. He probably could still play today if he wanted to. Um 
But yeah, I mean, you know, they got to go out. They, you know, the Sedins, they end up scoring the, the overtime game winner in their last home game, which is fantastic. Storybook ending kind of thing. Um, you would have loved to have seen a guy like Marion Hosa or Zetterberg here, you know, go out like that. Um, it's disheartening, but, um, you know, when you can't play anymore, you just, you can't play anymore. It's, it is what it is. You know, uh, doctors have came out and said that his back is just too damaged. And, uh, you know, at, at some point as, as a hockey player, you know, you have to weigh long-term quality of life over getting to play the game for maybe, you know, even half a season, which, you know, the way his back is would probably be all he could give. Um, so, you know, with, with that said, I, I want to spend the next just quick 10, 15 minutes, you know, just to, I want to do a quick podcast while Mark is out of town here, uh, just to really touch on where I think, um, you know, Zetterberg's legacy is, where the Red Wings are, where they're going, uh, what's next for everybody, and then, of course, uh, you know, a couple little things I, I saw on Twitter the other day, or yesterday, I should say, that, you know, people are going to start debating now, and I would like to address those myself just to kind of give my my two cents on, on the subject. So um, with that said, you know, Henrik Zetterberg, he's been with the Red Wings for, you know, since the uh, the 2002-03 season when he came in at 22 years old. He, uh, he originally was drafted in the seventh round, 210th overall in 1999, for those who don't know, um, which, to be quite honest, to be able to make it to the NHL being a seventh round draft pick is such a rare thing. Um, if if I had to look up the statistic on that one, it's probably less than a 0.5% chance of making it to the NHL at that point, let alone playing, you know, 20 games, whereas he ended up playing a whole total of 1,082. And to finish his career with 960 points, a plus 160, 337 goals, Honestly, that's a fantastic career. I mean, most guys would be grateful to even get in, you know, five, six, seven years in the NHL, let alone this guy. He ended up putting in a solid 15 seasons. And, um, you know, outside of some seasons where he was hampered with injury and was out for, you know, half the season, he was able to put up some very, very good numbers. Um, You know, I think two years ago, in the 15-16 season, he put up 50 points, and that was really the start of you know what I what I saw as the Red Wings decline. It's the first year they didn't make the playoffs, but that was really his his lowest total since uh, since his rookie or his second sophomore season, not his second sophomore season, but his sophomore season. Um, you know, the guy has uh, never really been the Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby point getter type player. Um, you know, he's not overly flashy he doesn't go out and dazzle you like Pavel Dadzuk did with his moves and I I still think Logan Couture's ankle is still left somewhere in that corner where he just got demolished by Dadzuk but um and for those who don't know go YouTube it it's one of my favorite Deeks all time it's kind of reminds me a little bit of uh you know John Tavares last year when he was you know going up against uh Sean Couture except Dadzuk just didn't have to you know use his physicality he just straight up deked Couture away from the puck, but, um, you know, Zetterberg has been one of those guys that has, has always given you a lot of points, but he's never been, you know, the, the hundred, the 110 point, 90 point player, like, you know, your Connor McDavid's and your Sidney Crosby's the league. And, you know, I, I don't think there were any, there were ever any expectations. He, he would be that type of player. Um, you know, when he came in early on his career, his third year here in the league, he ended up putting up 85 points, uh, by his fifth season, he had 
put up 92. Um, you know, and, and of course, those were some tremendously good Red Wing teams back then. Uh, you know, getting, like I said, playing with Pavel Dadzuk, Nick Lindstrom, uh, you know, Nicholas Cronwall in his prime. There were just a lot of a lot of talented guys around him, and it's it's no wonder he was able to put up those points. But even when those guys started to fall off and when, you know, you had Eisenman retire at the end of the 06 season, you had Lindstrom retire, um, you know, he was still able to be competitive. Um, but more than anything else, you know, what made Zetterberg great was his two-way ability. You know, he was always known for being a defensive player, and that was one of the big reasons why he was able to win the Smythe Trophy when the Wings won the Cup in 08. The defensive work he did, um, you know, against the Penguins was phenomenal. Um, of course, me being a goaltender um, and always favoring the goalies, I, I was pushing for Chris Osgood because he came in, you know, after Dominic Hasek had a couple bad games to open that, you know, playoff um and, you know, came in and took the reins and just, you know, put the Red Wings almost on his back a little bit and put up some good numbers. I, I was hoping for him, but honestly, I'm I'm not upset he won the Smite. His defensive play that series was phenomenal. I can specifically remember one five-on-three penalty kill where he was just all over the ice. I mean, just Pittsburgh should have scored, and he single-handedly destroyed that power play by himself, which was <laughs> incredible. Um, so, yeah. Back to him, I mean, his his two-way game, just, again, phenomenal. Um, if you look at his numbers over the course of his career, his his Corsi is staggeringly good. Um, you know, back in 07-08 when they started keeping track of that here on, on Hockey Reference, um, you look, it, it began as a 63.8. And for a guy who played 75 games, that is just, that's phenomenal. Um, you know, I, and again, I know he had a lot of other phenomenal players around him to play with i.e. your, your dad Zooks and Lindstrom's who were also phenomenal defensive players. But, you know, you can't, you can never do it alone anyways, let alone, you know, when he was on the ice without those guys, he was still phenomenal and made everybody else around him that much better. Um, and then, of course, last year he was still above 50%, which is fantastic um, for a guy who basically had no back. He was able to do that and, uh, you know, never once throughout his whole entire career since, again, the 07-08 season has he been below 50% in his Corsi, which is fantastic. Um, you know, when you look, his defensive zone starts are pretty dang high um, compared to most guys who are offensively talented and just, you know, are more or less known for their offense rather than their defense. So this guy, again, you know, he, he consistently, um, you know, put up a fantastic two-way game that I think a lot of Red Wings have been um, – you know, learning from a lot of the younger guys, they've been trying to model their game around. And one guy in particular, Dylan Lark, and I see a lot of that two-way game, you know, in him. Hopefully we can, you know, build around that. But, you know, it, it doesn't hurt either that, you know, when Zetterberg came into the league, he had one of the best two-way centermen in the game with Steve Eiserman, a guy who originally started out as just an offensive nightmare for, for teams, uh, putting up 100-plus points. And then when Scotty Bowman came in, you know, convinced them to start playing defense. And, of course, when Zetterberg comes in the league, just that importance about playing good defense really showed in his game early on and, and stuck with him throughout his career. And you see why he's he's been best known for his two-way game. Now, um, you know, speaking of the Red Wings now, where do they go from here? Um, I think if you're a Red Wing fan, you have to be, you know, you still have to be optimistic. I mean, let's face it, the Red Wings 
finished in the bottom of the Eastern Conference last year. They weren't very good. Uh, they had a hard time scoring goals. And, you know, Zetterberg was never one for scoring goals. Um, you know, his last, what is it, one, two, three, six seasons, he never once hit 20 goals. And granted, two of those seasons, he was out for, you know, he only played 46, 45 games. So, of course, a little bit harder when you're not playing a full 82. But, you know, even in the last, you know, three seasons, playing a full 82, he, he hit 11, 17, and 13 goals. Um, so, again, this guy, a playmaker. He wasn't your your sniper, your goal scorer. You know, other guys in our lineup were supposed to be those goal scorers. You know, your your Tatars, your Gustav Nyquist, your, you know, even early on in his career, Johan Franzen before he got hurt. And, um, you know, Anthony Mantha now, he's those are the goal scorers, the guys that were supposed to, to put up the goals. And Zetterberg was going to be feeding them the puck. And he did a phenomenal job doing that. He consistently put up, you know, 40, 50 assists, no problem. Um, but I think for the Red Wings now, they're going to, again, finish at the bottom of the league. And to me, they need that because, one, I think, you know, if the Red Wings want to convince Eisman to come back here and resurrect Detroit sports, that's a necessary thing, too. Obviously, you know, we talk about Jack Hughes, the number one prospect that's supposed to be in the draft next season. The Red Wings could use his playmaking playmaking ability to replace, um, you know, Henrik Zetterberg, which would be fantastic because, um, you know, one thing all Stanley Cup contending teams have is, you know, that superstar number one centerman. And that's what the Red Wings are missing. And you look at, you know, their division here um, in the Atlantic and you look at the top three teams, Boston, you know, they got Patisse Bergeron, Tampa Bay, they've got Steven Stamkos, and even now Braden Point a little bit. Um, you could put his name up there. Um, and then, of course, Toronto, they've got Tavares, Matthews, um, even, you know, Kadri, you could you could say he's right on point with, you know, your Dylan Larkins at this point because he puts up the goals. But, um, you know, no knock against Larkin, but he, he to me, is nothing more than a a average number one center, really, really good number two center. And, you know, he, he really doesn't need to be anything else in my opinion. I think, you know, he should be that 60, maybe 70 point player for the Red Wings, um, which would be great for them. If that's what they get out of him for the rest of his career, I would be completely happy with that. For a guy that, you know, was picked mid first round, was known for his speed, not really, you know, his playmaking, his, his, razzle-dazzle his, you know, um, skills. He was known for being, you know, your 2A type player. And so to get 60 points out of a guy like that, I think is is fantastic. Um, I don't expect them to get much more. And, um, you know, I think now when you look at who's going to score the goals for the Wings, you know, you're hoping that a guy that they just got in this past draft is going to come in and, uh, you know, take over for the future. And, of course, I'm talking about Philip Sedina. So, you know, moving forward for the Red Wings, uh, you know, you hope that these young guys now can take the next step. You hope a Philip Sedina can come in and be that that goal scorer that everybody thinks he's going to be. Back on to Zetterberg, again, the guy has had an amazing, astounding career. I am um, sad to see him go, I think, for the Red Wings. Um, you know, they've got pieces now to look forward to. Um, to be excited about, you know, you, again, like I talked about, your Philip Sedinas, your Joe Valenos, these guys who can come in here, um, you know, hopefully the young guys take those next steps and the Red Wings can, over the next three, four years, rebuild and be competitive. Um, so <clears throat> with that said, 
uh, one thing I wanted to address, um, you know, kind of talk about, you know, really quickly, and then I'm going to let you guys go, um, was Zetterberg's, um, you know, next steps, his legacy, his Hall of Fame credentials, you know, what's going to happen. Um, one thing I read on Twitter the other day, um, and one thing I just wanted to give my opinion on really quick was, would the Red Wings consider retiring his number when he retires in a, officially in a couple years? Um, in my opinion, he has been uh, one of the better Red Wings we've we've seen. However, this one is very debatable because if you go out and retire number 40 for the Red Wings, which, you know, you can make an argument that he definitely deserves his number retired. I believe uh, I read that he finished, you know, top five in scoring all time for the Red Wings or, um, you know, he's definitely been a mainstay for the Red Wings. He's been our captain. Uh, like I said, 15 years in the organization is phenomenal. He's consistently a Selkie nominee, uh, an all-star, you know, nominee. But, uh, you know, if you go and retire number 40, you open up Pandora's box because now you have to consider signing, or not signing, I'm sorry. Now you have to consider retiring Sergei Fedorov's number. You have to consider retiring Pavel Dadzuk's number. Um, are you prepared to do that if you're the Detroit Red Wing organization? And I know for the last few years, um, you know, fans have been clamoring to say, hey, let's retire Sergey Fedorov's number. Um, myself, I am kind of on the fence when it comes to that because, um, don't get me wrong, I think he has been phenomenal. I think he definitely deserves to have his number retired. Um, but but would I, I? I don't like the way he ended his time with Detroit. That was kind of uh, to me. Uh, he ended up you know, his totals in Detroit, he played 908 games, 954 points. So right there was Zetterberg. Um, you know, and then, you know, let me look up Dadzooks because I cannot think of it off the top of my head. But let's see. You know, Dadzook played 14 years in Detroit. Obviously, you know, leaving for Russia to go back home while he was still healthy enough to play. So, again, when you go back and look at you know, Pavel Dadzuk's numbers, um, 918 games, or I'm sorry, 918 points through 953 games. So again, all three guys, Fedorov, Zetterberg, Dadzuk, similar numbers. Um, you know, you look at the legacy of each guy, you know, Dadzuk able to capture a couple Stanley Cups consistently, you know, a Lady Bing winner, uh, a Selkie winner, all-star guy, no reason why you would think on any other team he probably would get his number retired. Um, same with Fedorov, a guy who, you know, consistently was putting up points. I remember one season he played, um, you know, he played a lot of time on defense. And for forwards to do that, that's pretty much unheard of. But, you know, Scotty Bowman was that confident in his defensive ability. So, uh, again, a guy who, you know, won the Hart Trophy, the Pierce and the Selkie all in the same year. Uh, you know, he's he's won the Selkie again, and he's been nominated multiple times and been up there in the rankings for those and the Hart Trophies. So, um, you know, and again, too, it doesn't hurt either that he went and, uh, you know, won three Stanley Cups with the Red Wings either. So you got guys who have won Cups, who have won awards, put up good numbers, good point totals for the Red Wings. So if you want to retire Zetterberg's number, honestly, you have to go ahead 
and retire all three, in my opinion. I don't think you can leave one out without the others. Um, you know, maybe the Red Wings eventually come around to it. Um, but in my opinion, I think right now you have to pump the brakes. Give it a couple seasons till Zetterberg officially retires. Then make the decision because I think right now um, that debate is going to fuel for Detroit. I think, you know, people are going to consistently over the next couple years till he officially retires start talking about does Zetterberg deserve to have his number retired? Um, you know, what do you think? You know, do you think he deserves? I, I would love to know. I know um, I've already seen a couple, you know, posts on Twitter about it. Um, you know, tweet at us. Let me know what you think. Um, lastly, before I go, Hall of Fame. Is Zetterberg a guy who deserves to get in the Hall of Fame? Uh, honestly, I think you can look at a lot of other guys who are in the Hall of Fame, and I think his point totals, what he's done on the ice, are right up there with it. Um, you know, but I think this, this one's going to be tough, and I don't actually have an answer for you. I want to say yes because I'm such a huge fan of his, but when you start looking at other guys who maybe aren't in the Hall of Fame, that debate just opens up, and it becomes more and more difficult to say, hey, Zetterberg deserves to get in over these guys. So, um, again, like the jersey retirement thing, you know, tweet at me, tweet at OT Hockey Talk. Let us know what you think. Um, I'm interested to hear your opinion on everything, your your opinion on you know, Zetterberg's legacy, where you think the Red Wings are going to go from here. You know, do they continue with the youth movement? Do they try to bring in more veteran guys? Do they eventually shift guys out? You know, what do you think? Um, or do you just not care? Do you think the Red Wings are going to suck? Are you glad they're going to suck, you know, and just hope that they stay at the bottom? You know, let me know what you think. I'm, I'm interested to hear. Uh, we're interested. You know, I know Mark is going to be, uh, you know, very excited to, to get back at it when he gets back in the town next week. We're excited to get back at you with our next podcast uh, when we talk about the Atlantic Division because, of course, for those who don't know, his favorite team is the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we've got the Red Wings, the Maple Leafs, and, of course, six other teams to talk about. So, um, again, till next time, tweet at us, get at us at othockeytalk.com, and we'll talk to you later.